0: Surely not analysis or actual reflection accounts for an excuse based simply on a woman's sex and not on what she does or is capable of doing.
1: Welcome to Man Unmade, a podcast normalizing the authority and power of women's voices in a man's ear.
0: And so anything we do is gonna be hard. Governing is hard. Being a human being is hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just what flavor of hard do you choose? And I think that what the data shows is that when you have more women in positions of leadership, you are better able to adapt. You get out of that status quo stuckness that prevents us from doing good problem solving through the introduction of new people. And that's certainly true about racial and ethnic and um, all kinds of diversity.
1: I mean, who do people think they are? Just the gall of some folks to think they can walk into a club not meant for them, and actually meant to keep them out, and not only make themselves at home, but actually stand up and say something about the state of things. What? Come on. Don't you know how things work around here? My guests today, they didn't get the memo. They've walked into the world of politics, a world filled with fighting, lying, toxic masculinity, hypocrisy, and of course, the almighty patriarchy, and said, enough is enough. But of course, they set it in the way that only they can. Sarah and Beth from Pantsuit Politics, they're here today, and I'm excited to listen. They have somehow figured out a way to approach every discussion in the world of government, finance, international policy, and more with grace, composure, and wisdom. And listening to them will make you a better person. And despite the worst snowstorm to hit Texas in, well, forever, and a down power line in my backyard, I found some electricity and internet connection and a microphone at my producer Lisa's house and managed to sit down with these two and learn a whole lot. So with my apologies for a few technical issues on a frozen Texas day, enjoy. All right, here we go. Uh, Let's do this. We are jumping in the pod today and I am very, very uh, excited because we are all about to get incredibly smarter. um, Just by being in the same space uh as sarah and beth from pantsuit politics hi
2: i'm gonna make my husband listen to that intro i know That's so kind. i was just thinking can you can you say that a couple times slowly yeah. for my children i have a friend who always says i'd love to hear that again thank you so much i'd love to hear that again sometime.
1: <laughs> i really mean it i'm not kidding i listen to y'all and i'm like i feel so much smarter i'm not because I think it takes a lot more for me to actually get smart, but I feel very much smarter, very much.
2: Well, we hope you feel more informed. We hope you feel- um, I do. Uh, we hope we spark curiosity. That's always our goal.
1: Um, I, it definitely sparks curiosity. Um, the other day I was running on a treadmill in Idaho. I was shooting- uh, As we my do. show As we do. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. And I've got my headphones in, and I'm listening to you both explain GameStop.
2: Oh, Lord.
1: I failed accounting three times in college. (laughs) One class twice and another one once. (laughs) And um, so now I can compute things fast in my head. So I do want to give myself that credit. Like, Yeah, basically all you do is
2: geometry, right? I'm like, no, thank you.
1: Right, right. But like accounting, I got I got nothing. You get into that world in the financial world and the way y'all said it when you were just like, This is made so that we don't get it. I was like, Yes. And then you were like, So we're gonna explain it in a way that like maybe we can get it and I was like, all ears. I loved it. We had so Thank many you.
2: listeners who were like, I still don't get it. And I was like, That's cool, I don't either. It's totally
0: <laughs> Oh, I <fine>. still don't. <laughs> I don't get it either. I don't understand clearing houses. Are you kidding me? No. But I think that the idea that this is made so it seems complicated is most of politics. And that's why we love what we do, because that translation of, hey, you can get this. Somebody just needs to want you to get it instead of want you to not get it.
2: That's important.
3: Well, and there's a knowledge gap
0: for sure. You know, I think
2: about the knowledge gap a lot in parenting. There's so many times where I'm assuming my kids know things or are capable of doing things that they simply aren't. And like, mm. if I'm giving lots of grace to political media, you know, starting from zero and trying to explain things every time would like not be doable. Although they do have twenty four seven on cable news, so I don't know maybe they oh, yeah. can squeeze in a little bit more. But, um, and I think that's why you see the rise of the popularity of things like explainers and one hundred ones, because there mm-hmm. is there's a massive amount of just foundational knowledge. But what yes. we try to say is like, you know you have a right to participate in this conversation. It is important to participate in political conversations, not because you're an expert, but because you're a citizen. That's mm. what qualifies you. That's what makes you important to include mm-hmm. It's because as citizens, um, this affects us and you don't have to be an expert to participate.
1: I mean, doesn't that go all the way back to, like, I mean, thousands of years ago when the majority of the population couldn't read Um, And the only ones that could read were like the priests. And so they controlled what you heard at church and what you knew. And I mean, this is our history, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like it's on a deep foundational level. There is this um, structure of we up here have all the knowledge and even the ability to understand the knowledge and the ability to let you know what we want you to understand. That's kind of freaky.
0: It is. And I don't think that means we have to get conspiratorial about what's shared and what isn't shared. It's tempting Mm -hmm. to go down that road. Yes. I think it's more like understanding, hey, Americans are busy. Everybody has a role to play in society. Some people's role is to understand the intricacies of clearing houses and derivatives. And other people's role is to do geometry all day and create beautiful things and, and, Mm -hmm. You know, we all have a different part to play. And also, our theory of the case, at least, is as citizens, we need to pay enough attention to be able to give that input as citizens, understanding that we're not experts, but to give that input as citizens uh, in a way that's grounded in something real. Well, Mm. and to keep up your metaphor, I mean, that's where we get stained glass, right?
2: Is they would, they knew people couldn't read, but even the elites at the time thought it was important that they be have a, a foundational understanding of what was going on, hmm. um, and so we get these beautiful, you know, stained glass are basically like what the first memes, I guess. Like we'll put it up here so you can see the hmm. story, and you can get sort of the emotional understanding. It's just hmm. so often, unfortunately, I think we stop there. We get the emotional reaction, we get the emotional um, response, the emotional underpinning, and then we just we're just out because of busyness. Um, because of intimidation, because we lack expertise, because of a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. And what we try to do is is push past that emotional reaction, which is important, and we has to start somewhere, but can't be the, the end of the journey.
1: So I want to set things up a little bit here. Um, this is a wild day, first of all, for all who are listening. Um, Sarah and Beth both are uh, either covered in ice or snow. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I am not at my house. Um, and, uh, uh, because the power just went out at my house. And, uh, so I have run over to Lisa, my assistant slash producer of Man Unmade, her house. Um, and she's not on because if she jumps on, then it kicks me off. So (laughs) everything is crazy. We don't have Lisa today, which I'm really sad about. Um, and I feel like my mic is maxing out every other second because I have a loud mouth. But also because I haven't, I'm in a new spot and I'm like trying to adjust. So, this is just an insane day because there's ice everywhere in Waco. Um, My power's out. It's all of a sudden like Montana in Waco and um, everything is crazy, but we're going to do this. And I'm super, super excited about it. Um, And I hate that Lisa's not here uh, with us. She was super excited about it. She's actually just like behind the door, but you know, (laughs) she's not on. And uh, also, I got to say this my wife, Kelly so wanted to jump in the room and say hello to you both. And uh, she's at home uh, by the fire because our power's out. So I I lit a fire before I left and she's hanging out with the kids. She says hello and she's so sad that she didn't see you.
2: Yeah, we love Kelly. We'll have to do an IG something with her soon because her support and just her insight is so awesome.
1: She would love that. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. I also want to point out that y'all know, you're very familiar with my wife. Um, but Sarah has no idea who I am. So, this is going to be a fun game. Um, we I are mean, only doing this because Beth is a fan really of like Fixer Upper. And so, that was my in.
3: I feel <laughs> bad because she was like, <laughs> Guess
0: who's following us on Instagram? And I was like, Who? And she said Clint Arp. And I was like, I don't know who that is. Listen, <laughs> I my, really didn't. <laughs> my second daughter was a week late. Okay. I was pregnant forever. I thought I was going to die Oof. pregnant. And (laughs) watching episodes of Fixer Upper that last week when I could not put shoes on my feet because they were so swollen and I hated everyone on Earth, uh, it helped me a lot. And my husband and I were both like, we got to go get a table from the Harps someday. So I was pumped. I feel like Sarah has missed an important cultural milestone here. It's not like I don't know what Fixer Upper is. I am culturally it it though, enough Sarah. you enough to, to
2: understand it. what it is. But I do not yeah. have a deep working knowledge. As mentioned, I've never seen an episode.
1: Well, you know what? That's okay. Uh, I am not offended. I actually, it's every once in a while, it's kind of refreshing because I'm like, <laughs> so I'm getting a real reaction from somebody here because they have no, <laughs> there's not no glimmer. for a
2: table. They really Mm-mm. think I'm funny.
1: <laughs> there's no glimmer in Sarah's eye at all. She's like... This guy's an idiot. (laughs) Uh, That's not true. Well, uh, I'd hold. Uh, aforementioned.
2: I understand enough of geometry that goes into what you do that, like that Uh enough, will earn you my respect. Because this is why I don't sew. Because sew is sewing is just math and ironing. That's why I don't sew. I'm not interested. Okay,
1: okay. Uh, uh, Beth, are you crafty at all? Do you do any sort of anything like that? Painting.
0: No, I have attempted to sew only because this this was a tough moment in my marriage, Clint. Um, My husband decides that it would be really fun for us to make new cushion covers for our outdoor furniture.
1: Oh, great. And
0: he decides that he is personally going to take charge of staining the outdoor furniture again, but I am going to take charge of the cushion cover. So he buys fabric for me and hands Mm. it to me with the cushions and is like, the internet says this is easy. And I wanted to say, well, the internet can sew it. Then, like, I don't, I don't know how to turn my sewing machine on at this point. So I have learned yeah. how to make cushion covers, which I think I should get yeah. credit for for the rest of our marriage. But that's the 100%. extent of my craftiness.
1: Hey, listen, that's it's great. That's more than some people will ever even attempt to do in their whole life. No, so I'll, kudos to you.
2: I- like crafting, I just don't like crafting that involves math. Like I'm a knitter because there's no math. You just got to count to knit. That's all you have to be able to. That's do. That's
1: math. I mean, that it is math, math but it's Sarah, very simple. Counting.
2: And I do, <laughs> and I do bake, which is also oh, that's very math. Much so. There's lots of fractions yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: And you're talking baking, not cooking. Like yeah, you're like talking like okay. Mm-mm. Okay, my husband is really? the cook.
2: My husband loves to cook. Um, okay. And He is like a chef. Like his best moment of all the sort of. Uh, adjacent fame he gets through the podcast is when people see him cooking on in Instagram and are like, I'm a real chef. He's got He's legit. Like watching him chop and stuff, you know? Because you can yes. tell somebody cooks yeah. you know, how they chop. Uh-huh. And he's legit. I, he See, he likes the like, let me taste it and see what it needs. Or I was like, I don't want to... No, I hate that. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. I don't want to mm. have to then adapt. Um, yes. So that's yeah. why I like baking. But he doesn't like baking for the exact same reason.
1: Got it. Uh, Beth, baker, or... Uh, cook I actually do both.
0: both pretty well now I yes. cannot make anything look pretty so if you're looking oh, for like a okay. birthday cake no I'm out don't call um, yeah. but I can make a delicious cake or cookie or pie or whatever for you and I think I'm a pretty okay. good cook too and I think I'm legit in my skills I, I chop well I, I get my mise en place going I love it Ooh, fancy! look at
1: you fancy. the mise en I even place know the words. it's so yeah. I'm
0: trying to learn how to make a pie crust right now, and it is like a hero's journey. It's so hard. It is so hard. I sense to make a
1: memoir a coming out.
0: <laughs> it's really. We should walk through this on FaceTime because I've got the pie crust down. You I make your own? It. You don't use yeah. the Pillsbury? Oh, no, 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 no. Never. Yeah, I make my own. I got it. Uh, I'll teach you. Okay. go ahead.
1: Okay. It's very rewarding to do it. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, Sarah, just so you know, I'm a very important person in this world, <laughs> since you don't know. Um, there was a show called Fixer Upper, and there were uh-huh. these people Chip and Joe who uh-huh, like uh-huh, uh-huh. they were kind of important on the show, yeah, but I the shop real I get I get it. Yeah, and they were they were somewhat important on the show, but I was like the <laughs> okay, star.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, and
1: it, the it, whole it. world tuned in to see me make furniture, mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm, no, that is it. not the case. Somehow, I got lucky enough uh, to make some furniture on there, and now here we are making this podcast, which I'm a rookie at. Um, you two though, have been making Pantsuit Politics, um, a podcast, which I read, I believe it's, is it in the top 5% of all downloaded podcasts or something like that? Is that, am I correct in that?
2: Well, I will say yes, but here's the thing. Like that's that's amazing. The spread in podcast downloads is sort of bananas. So like the average is like 500 downloads. And then once you, you reach a certain point, you get in this like top 5%. But so is Joe Rogan, and he has like a million downloads an episode. And let me just – we are in a percentage ranking with him. We do not get a million downloads an episode. Well, I don't care.
1: Top 5% is amazing, and uh, that is because of the hard work that you all put in. You're prepared every time you turn on your podcast. It's like, whoa, these women are informed, and I love it. And that's the whole point of this podcast is for me to – um, you know, like I've said, normalize the authority and power of women's voices in a man's ear. Mm. I just want to listen um, to um, y'all, and uh, I do already, um, like I said, when I'm running on a treadmill in, in Idaho or wherever the heck I am, and, um, and it's amazing. It really is, and I can't wait uh, just over the next, you know, however long we have here today um, to just listen and pick y'all's brains and hear what y'all think about what's going on in the world. Before we get into all the current stuff, I wanna ask this though. The podcast um, started after you guys were friends. You go all the way back to college and sorority sisters, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, was politics a thing for y'all back then?
2: Uh, politics has always been a thing for me since I was like seven years old. I mean, I was a political science major in college, but we weren't like it's not like we were debating politics in college. We were in okay. the same sorority and we were friends that we were not particularly close friends. We had like not stayed in close contact uh, okay. since graduating from college. But we'd, you know, both gone to law school and we were both starting families and we actually reconnected over natural birth. I gave birth to my first two sons at home and Mm. was a mommy blogger at the time, so talked about it pretty openly. And then when Beth was on maternity leave, she saw that and reached out to me because um, she was pursuing natural birth and we just like reconnected about that, which I would argue actually is a political issue. Thank you, the personal is political. But um, Mm -hmm.
0: that's where it all kind of started. Politics was not a thing for me then. I cannot believe what I do for a living now. It is shocking to me that I spend my time talking about politics. I was a business major in college. I was very focused on school. I was the president of everything. Um, and I was just kind of busy working my way through college. Um, went to mm-hmm. law school, became a lawyer. I've always loved the news. So my parents were the people who, as soon as cable news was a thing, it was on in our house. I remember watching the O.J. Simpson trial. I remember watching the Clarence Thomas Senate confirmation. My parents were in on current events. Not very political, but very news-minded. And that's kind of where I came to find the writing that Sarah was doing really interesting and, and wanted to have some conversation about those subjects.
1: Got it. Um, when did the podcast thing when did, what happened? What was the genesis? What when did y'all go, Hey, I got an idea?
2: <laughs> okay, so my husband had been harassing me for like a month probably a year actually to start a podcast. Okay. You gotta start a podcast because he was like listening to podcasts obsessively at this point in 2015 and bef- okay. years before that just was listening to them constantly. And he was like, I this love that he's pushing thing. you to do it. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He was like, this is the next thing you'd be so good at it. Yeah. I mean, I did not to brag, get Aww. most talkative in high school. <laughs> um, and so I love that
1: you think that's a bragging yeah, point. You're yeah. like, guys,
2: well, I'm just trying to re Listen, I'm just trying to create a new narrative because I was bitter about not getting most likely to succeed for literal years, decades. Even. Yeah. So I'm just trying yeah. to turn that narrative around in my own internal dialogue. Um. And so I did like I didn't blog and he's like, you got to do this is the next thing. This is the next thing. You got to do it. And so, you know, I had, had sort of gone back into the political realm. I was writing more political posts. I'd completed a political training program for women considering public office. I was thinking about running for city commission in my town. And um, so I knew like I was ready to start talking and like being more active politically. Mm. And so I thought, well... I could interview all these women I know from my time in politics and time living in D.C., and it would we could, I could just talk about women in politics. I had a hint, hunch that Hillary was going to run again, and I thought, like, this could be mm-hmm. really interesting. And I had worked on her 2007 presidential campaign, so I knew a lot. I still knew had a lot of connections in that world and even in Kentucky okay. politics. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll do that. And so I did one interview, and as maybe as a parent, I actually, like— Answering questions more than asking them, and so it just sat there because it like wasn't fun. I wasn't excited about doing that a bunch, mm-hmm. um, and so, but that's where I came up with the name of pansy Politics because I thought I want to get at the idea that like female voices, the female experience inside politics is very very important, yeah. um, and so kind of sat there, and then Beth wrote this podcast or wrote this blo- blah, wrote this post on my blog um, called Nuance. And it, Mm. like, went viral for my little blog. And people loved it. And she was just basically like, you know, we don't have to do this. Like, our entirety of who we are is not wrapped up in a post about Cecil the Lion. Because that's what we were fighting about in 2015 with Cecil the Lion. God bless our hearts.
1: I mean, good Lord. Remember
2: Cecil the Lion? Yeah. And so... That kind of went there for a while and it, it went so well. And I thought, well, maybe this is it. Like, because I knew at the time that we were sort of on different ends of the political spectrum. That's shifted exactly. since then. But at the time, yeah. and I said, okay, let's have a test call. Let's just like see how our conversation goes. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget my youngest son, who's now um, almost six. Was in the back seat asleep, and I was like driving around, and we had this conversation about Kentucky politics, which we thought maybe would be our focus. And it was so good, and we had a really good conversational flow and chemistry from the beginning. And at like probably about forty-five minutes in, I said, "Okay, we're not going to talk anymore unless we're recording it because we clearly have something um, oh, because I we're so that. complimentary. You know, like we're different, but in very complimentary ways, and same, and, and we're the same in very complimentary ways." And so yes. we just, I think you know, it was all the things they say are contribute to se- success, right? Like being in the right place at the right time, having mm-hmm. the right sort of elevator elevator pitch idea, having the you know energy, even as new moms, and the support of our husbands to to launch a little side hustle like a podcast. I mean, yeah, we started. Sure. We would record at night in our. She was in her closet. <laughs> I was in my room, and my husband would, who was again just podcast obsessed, had like learned how to to audio produce as a cool. amateur. Yeah. And we just, yeah. you know, putting it all together with some some tape and a dream.
1: <laughs> I love that so, so much, Beth. What was going through your head when all this was sort of coming around to uh, an actual thing?
0: I was very scared. I was a C suite executive um, in a pretty conservative law firm, and okay. worried a lot that people were going to listen to this podcast and think like mm. who is this person. We don't know her at all. She's here every day. And what is going on? Uh, Because I'm very buttoned up in my career. Why would she associate herself with this crazy redheaded woman
1: (laughs) and wear pantsuits?
0: And it just was really an exercise in vulnerability for me. I was at a point in my career where I knew I needed a shift. Uh, I was ready for something different. And I just kind of decided there's no point in doing this if I don't do it all the way and I'll just let the chips fall. And so it was scary. uh, And I remember sitting on the floor of my closet with a microphone stacked on some books, just being exhausted and hoping the baby didn't wake up um, and hoping that I had read enough to be able to speak intelligently about whatever we were discussing. And then I remember just a couple of weeks in putting my older daughter in bed and getting an alert on my phone that iTunes had tweeted about us. Mm. And, Suddenly, it was oh just gosh. a whole different ball game, you know, because yeah. we weren't going to get to talk about Kentucky politics. Most people were listening to us from California. and right. uh, suddenly, it was thousands of downloads an episode instead of hundreds. And so we were just in oh a different gosh. arena and And pretty quickly, I thought, I have to commit to this, or I'll always regret it. Who knows what this could be? And there's not really a losing proposition here because I loved what we were doing and how we were doing it and the people who were responding to it. So it hasn't, it hasn't led me wrong to follow Sarah's instincts. Well, let's also talk about the
2: hilarity that we started and our tagline was no shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. At the same time, (laughs) Donald Trump was launching his presidential campaign. (laughs) Like we had some timing, some timing.
1: You did. Yeah. Wow. Um, you both live in Kentucky. Um, Beth, you may know this. Sarah, since you're still not sure what my name is, <laughs> I think, <laughs> um, uh, I, I just wanna point out that um, I'm from Georgia. I don't know oh, if- my husband's if, from Georgia. If, okay, I was born and raised in Atlanta. And, um, uh, and, and then I actually lived in Asheville, North Carolina for eight years of my life from when I was three to 11. And then I moved back to Atlanta and stayed there until I graduated high school. Um, but Where'd even you from Dunwoody high school,
2: uh, my husband's from Decatur. He graduated from Decatur.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm about to, um, uh, do some work in Decatur with, uh, my show. Oh, uh, fun. Restoration road. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The, there's a place down there called Decatur makers and, um, some woodworkers and, uh, really awesome. And, oh, that's cool. uh, you know, you got more women who are, are building and, um, women of color, the whole thing. It's like amazing. I'm like that's so excited. Cool. Anyways. Um, but I'm, uh, so even when I was in North Carolina, I was going back and forth, um, cause my parents were divorced. And so every other weekend I was in Atlanta and the whole thing. So anyways, Georgia, that's my home, the whole deal. So I'm familiar with the deep passion that people have about their politics, about their football, about, you know, I mean, there's, there is a, there's different passion all around the country, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a certain type in the South. And um, I hope I'm going to do this the right way, because I think I feel like you all did this the right way, and something you wrote or said the other day, which is that, like, look, I'm talking about my past. I'm not saying that everybody else is like this, but I know I was like this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, and so some people might relate with that. I was very, like, stubborn in my ways, whether it be church, religion, whatever. And if I had heard that somebody... Um, that I knew was all of a sudden talking politics, and not just politics, but potentially liberal politics. You know, my head might have caught on fire. You know what I mean? And and I'm I'm the tame person. Um, so my question to y'all is: Do y'all ever like get afraid? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're living in the south here, and uh, I mean, you're y'all are saying you're getting out there. I mean, you are getting out there. What's the reaction been like?
0: So I've only been afraid one time, and that was when I started getting angry emails from a person who lived fairly close to me, not someone I knew in real life, but a listener of the show. Mm -hmm. And I knew there was geographic proximity and the tone of the emails started to scare me. Um, Okay. But I realized that... Eventually, just not paying attention to him, he would find a new target. And I think that's what happened. In terms of the reaction from people in my personal life, I do think people have been surprised that someone as introverted as I am does something that's so public. And I think people see it as some form, like a weird mix of bravery and stupidity. And I'm okay with that. Okay. In terms of the backlash for what I believe, I do think the way we talk about it on the show, because we're getting out there and we are we say things that are provocative, we say things that are challenging. Definitely, no one agrees with me a hundred percent of the time, and I wouldn't want them to. Sure. But I think that we talk about our opinions with enough knowledge and with a tone that invites disagreement. That That I haven't felt like people have just disconnected from me completely because of the politics that I express on the show mm.
2: I mean, for me, it's really different. Everybody knew I was super liberal before I started sure. the podcast. <laughs> sure. you no. Know, so just a little background. <laughs> no end, big shocker, no big shocker. So I went, um, I was very conservative in my teenage years. Um, I was okay. like hardcore devoted, evangelical Christian. And like sure. brought that teenage fervor of like, not only do I know the right answers, but I'm very comfortable telling you you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> to the whole pursuit, we might be the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like all yeah. in. Yeah. And then I went to college at Transy at Transylvania University. It's a liberal arts right. school, and uh, just did a total 180 in the first six months. Like, mm. got there, had never even heard the term third world and, like, had some political science professors who just rocked my party. And was and I was like, okay, well, then I'm just all in. And then I just shifted my fervor, right? Then I just went like, yeah. okay, well, now this is the right answer. Yes. Um, and probably stayed there for the next decade easy. Like, was all okay. in in liberal politics, moved to Washington, D.C., uh, worked for Hillary Clinton, worked in, for the United States Senate. And so everybody knew. And like, I just am also, I don't know if it's the red hair, like I just show up as who I am wherever I go. I don't really have a choice. Like I would have loved to have been like the more appealing, pleasant girl who like, you know, the, the nice girl. I just don't, I just, it's not available to me. And so I just had to make my peace with that early on. And so when I moved yeah. back to my hometown, um, almost a decade later, there was just never a sense, even when I was running for office, so I ran for city commissioner and won um, okay. when we were starting the podcast. And so, but even when I was doing that, it was a nonpartisan position. But like, I it, to me, it was like, why would I run for this or hide, hide this? I couldn't strip the internet of all the instances of between my career and also the blog that I was writing, where I was mm. so open about my politics. Uh, plus, okay. I'm an Enneagram one. Like, it's just like, I got to share. Like, it's like a, you know. Ah. And so... What I've found and what I try to, like, tell people being, a, like, a very progressive person in a deeply red area is, like, once you are that person, all the other people who feel afraid and scared to say who they are will, like, you are like moths to a flame, right? Because they're like, uh, oh, yeah. you like me. And so you don't, it's like the opposite. You oh, don't feel awesome. alone because people are coming up to you all the time saying, I feel the same way, too. You know, <laughs> like, don't tell my husband that <laughs> I voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, you know, like there's a lot of that, like once you're out in a way that people feel like comfortable talking to you. Um, now I think that the, the other side of that coin is there Mm -hmm. are like parties I'm not invited to and like conversations Mm. I'm not invited into because they, they don't need to, like, they don't want to be challenged. And I am a challenging person. So
0: but like that, that's That cool. one
1: in you, the Enneagram one mm-hmm. in you. That's, yeah. It's like the justice. Beth, what's your number?
0: I'm a two, so I'm a soft place for everyone to land. Mm-hmm. Just come and <laughs> I'll make you You should be in an Uber car with
2: her. You should ride in a, in a Lyft or an Uber with her. Like the she The driver time. will be <laughs> no. healed. He will be healed of his emotional trauma by the time we get out of the car. Whereas oh, I'm like, do awesome. we have to talk about this? Do I know every
0: medical trauma or uh, family strain that transportation professionals are enduring when they're with me. Yes. It's just Sometimes. like, give, give it all to me and I will help you process. <laughs> and it. I'm like and putting my phone in on. my
2: face like, mm, no, <laughs> no, no, thank you. That's how we roll. Do you see my AirPods? <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
1: Uh, I am a seven mm. uh, or so my wife says, and uh, and my wife is a four and oh. my wife loves the Enneagram. She's getting her master's in psychology at Pepperdine right now online. She is a brilliant person. I'm telling you, y'all would love to talk to her. She is, um, she's all over the Enneagram. It. She loves it. Yeah, it's um, absolutely um, amazing how much she knows about that. Um, okay, it is happening. Um, women's voices are in politics. Um, what do you see changing because of that?
2: I'll let Beth go
0: first we've said on the show before that America had founding fathers and maybe it needs sustaining mothers. And that's how I see the introduction of women in politics that women in, and and of course I'm going to be, um, leaning heavily on some gender stereotypes and and none of this applies a hundred percent of the time. But if you Mm -hmm. think of the traditional role that women play in families, mothers are instilling in children of both genders a deep sense Mm -hmm. of values here are the things that we're about these are the rules that we abide by this Mm -hmm. is who we are and i think that american politics has has needed that role people saying this Mm -hmm. is who we are these are the values that we're about some things are not a raw power struggle Some things are not just a contest to see who can get the most out of something. We have to do all of that from some kind of center of gravity, some kind of moral center of Mm -hmm. gravity. And I think that more women, and and look, more women of diverse political viewpoints, this to me is not about partisanship. It's about women coming into the process to play that role um, and to help advocate for more of a moral center of gravity in our political disputes. Even when we have those disputes, I don't like the idea that if women come into politics, everything is gonna be reconciled because I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've ever talked to women about breastfeeding and birth, you understand like women are not in the same place on any issue <laughs> um, sure, and that's, and that's sure. good. But I think there is, um, there is a healthy aspect to the way that women do conflict and a set of skill sets some of some of which are derived from you know really negative gender stereotypes but but they still give rise to these skills that i think have been absent in our politics for a while and that i think Mm -hmm. are really necessary toward to steer us in a healthier direction
2: and look i just think we are in the middle of a a, an experiment we're trying to make a multicultural democracy work jury's still out Right. Yep. And I think yep. what we know without a doubt is that one perspective is not going to make a multicultural democracy a success. Like that's not going to work. We, we have been right. trying it. We have been trying it six different Boy, ways. Like, we, we just we're, like, we're going to make this white male thing work. Yeah. Um, and look, I don't <laughs> have anything about white men. I'm raising three of them. I live in a house of nothing but white men, except for my little (laughs) dog. Like, I like white men. I think they're great, you know? But like, I also think the mother of white men, their lives will be better when they are not the only one in charge. And I think that's what's Mm -hmm. like hard to convey is like everything is better when there are diverse perspectives. Now everything is harder. Let me be abundantly clear about that. Everything is harder. You know, as somebody who started her political work working for the National Organization for Women, which had Mm. huge and continues to have real diversity problems Mm. um, and where there was real racism. Um, Even people who have espoused the idea that diversity is important and powerful from the beginning, like still struggle with it. It's hard work. It's hard work in women organization. It's hard Mm. work in um, racial justice organizations. Like this multicultural thing is really, really hard. And just introducing women is not going to fix it. It's not gonna make it any right. easier. Um, it's just gonna get us closer to where we wanna go because you can't do that with one perspective. You're missing too much.
1: Isn't that like part of the reason why we're in the boat that we're in because people don't wanna do the work. Yeah. I you mean, know? I think they I mean, want
2: easy answers and there's no easy answer in a multicultural democracy. Right. It just doesn't exist. I'm sorry, I don't K- care if half the Senate was women. And yeah. I not you know, it just, it's hard. It's hard work to, to bri- yeah. breach those divides. To decide, like, well, you see the world this way and I see the world this way. And what happens when we see how different
0: those ways are?
1: Yes. Beth, you were going to say something. Well, I think
0: when you have one controlling perspective. Mm Mm-hmm and you develop a system that is about preserving power for that one controlling perspective, it keeps everything very static. So yes, it's Mm. hard to have a multicultural democracy or to have even a a diversity of gender um, in leadership positions, but that, that lends itself to its own hardness because it's also hard to meet the challenges of climate change uh, a totally different type of warfare from our adversaries throughout the world, uh, mm-hmm. migration. you know, the the changes that are coming are really hard to meet when you've set mm-hmm. up all of your system of power to just preserve control of that system for one demographic. And so mm-hmm. anything we do is going to be hard. Governing is hard. Being a human mm-hmm. being is hard. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just what flavor of hard do you choose? And I think that, What the data shows is that when you have more women in positions of leadership, you are better able to adapt. You get out of that status quo stuckness that prevents us from doing good problem solving through the introduction of new people. And that's certainly true about racial and ethnic and um, all kinds of diversity. Well, and by data, she means the pandemic. I mean, look at countries led by women and how much better they've been able to adapt and respond to the pandemic.
3: On, well in the security
0: right? world too you know our our friend former ambassador Swanee Hunt has tons of research about what she calls inclusive security that that countries where women have participated in negotiating peace treaties to end war for example mm. tend to mm. hold that peace longer than treaties that are just negotiated by men there is something mm. really significant to putting a different perspective in the room, even in a space like foreign policy that we've been told is like a man's world forever.
1: Yeah. You know, I uh, was thinking the other day, um, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Carter and, um, you know, the um, Camp David Accord, um, which he presided over, you know, that was like a major, that that was the moment in his like political career, right? You know what I found so interesting because I'm reading a book about him right now is how strong the female voice in his life was. And I think that the reason why that actually went the way it was is because of that power and that authority in his life that I think was coming through in those moments.
2: You know, one of my favorite things I read about him is he talks about how it was Rosalind who was like really pushing him to like go back at the Iranians. And to yeah. like be sort of a little bit more cutthroat. And I was like, I love this energy. I love that Rosalind <laughs> was the one that was like, let's be a little more cutthroat. And he was like, no, chill, I'm not going to do that. Like, I dig that so hard. Because yeah, I think that's, yeah. like, Margaret Thatcher's a thing. Like, it's not like women roll uh-huh. into the room and there's the over, all of a sudden we're overflowing with empathy and understanding. Like, let's not, right. let's not paint too rosy of a picture here.
1: No, no, for sure. For sure not. Um, uh, but we need that voice. And I think that's, What's so important about this moment that we're living in? I noticed um, something, and I I just want to know if y'all have seen anything like this. Um, This was a few weeks ago when um, uh, President Obama uh, said, you know, the statement he made about defund the police and that, you know, hey, I'm afraid that it's kind of just a slogan or or whatever. I don't want to take words out of his mouth, but if y'all remember that happened. I had never seen this before in my life. Now, I don't pay attention to politics as much as y'all, for sure. Um, But I pay attention a little bit. I had not ever seen people in the same party as the president snap back, clap back as fast as Democrats did to Obama, and they were all women who did it. And I was like, yes, ma'am that is what i'm talking about i've never seen men do that and i thought if this is what we're getting with more women in politics thank god because that's what we need you know like agree or disagree whatever with what president obama said that's not really my point i'm not really getting into that and i have brought this up on another podcast that i recorded for man on may because i thought it was a really important moment but i mean immediately aoc or omar or who whoever like Corey Bush, I think, like they immediately came out and said, "Oh no, uh, uh-uh. uh." And let's be honest, guys, Obama—he's the rock star. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, is he or is know, it Michelle? I think it might be. Michelle. Well, I was just about to say <laughs> he rolled up, and then Michelle rolls up oh. in the uh, in in uh, the inauguration, inauguration. outfit—the Merlot. Was that what it was? The yes. Merlot all day. I love day, my I think favorite my wife, was the
2: tweet that was like Michelle Obama and a fan. Yeah, <laughs> so
1: true. That's right. But I mean, they are like royalty and people were immediately like,
3: "Mm -mm, Mm -mm.
1: nope. Have y'all seen anything like that for you where it's like, oh, that's refreshing. This is happening now.
2: I think one of the most refreshing things that happened to us early is um, we had a a person on our team who was helping us with some stuff and Mm -hmm. he came on our podcast a couple of times to like talk through some stuff. Mm-hmm. And we got feedback from male listeners that was like, I don't come to this podcast to listen to male voices. I want to hear female voices only. And I was like, this is not an email I expected to get. This is not <laughs> not what I thought was going to happen. But I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that on the progressive side, and not just with the squad, but with that, the activist who really organized and led movements like Me Too and Black Lives Matter, that you see an incredibly powerful female influence. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some of that is just... You know, sort of the way Twitter works in this in this universe, and the role of social mm-hmm. media that everybody has a platform at which they can like sort of say what they want to say. Um, yes. But it always kills me because I'm like, <laughs> I feel like there's this this narrative that uh, coming from the conservative side that's like they they just love to mute conservatives and cancel conservatives, and I want to be like, y'all aren't paying attention because we do it to ourselves too. Like they are yeah. just as fast to come down on somebody. That's, like, progressive. Like, I would argue they get it a little harder. Like, how dare you? You know, and, you know, I think sometimes that can be, truthfully, sometimes that can be a conversation killer. And I think it has to be, we have to be really careful. But I also think the sort of um, the hero worship or I think we've finally and forever abandoned the idea that, like, some people can't ever be wrong. Um, And some people just have a level of, like, expertise and experience that we should Mm -hmm. respect everything they say. Um, or at least agree with everything they say. We should respect each other, but I don't mean we have to agree.
0: Well, and on the Republican side of the aisle, you see Lisa Murkowski being one of the people who is one of the rare people who will come out and say, "I don't like what's happening. I don't think this mm. is okay. I will vote differently." Susan Collins sometimes gets into that category. So I I do think women are again coming from that place of like i want this to be about something bigger than the raw power struggle of a particular moment i want to be anchored Mm. in something deeper and when i say patriarchy i don't mean all men are terrible i mean a system where power is lorded over others instead of held with others and to me that's the difference Mm. that's why you have women being more likely to come back at somebody like president obama because They respect him, to be sure, Mm. would vote for Mm. him if he were the option against someone like President Trump. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: But that doesn't mean that he gets to hold power over them. They wanna hold power beside him. And I think that that's, Mm. when you talk about dismantling patriarchy, to me, it doesn't mean men are out of power. It means that we all hold power together and that we have to negotiate Mm. that power differently because of that.
4: Mm. Well, and here's
2: what I noticed a lot during my time in DC there is a very different posture held by politicians who are on the outside of that power structure. And what I mean is, you know, it's the difference between an offensive posture and a defensive posture. Like the, the politicians, particularly the white male politicians, who just came into the room as if I deserve to be there, as right. opposed to where you come into a room like, I have to prove that I deserve to be here. And it's just a really different orientation to oh, power, and you can yeah. sense it almost immediately.
1: You know, you get that a lot in um, in athletics. Mm. Um, you know, um, a lot of people talk about you know Tom Brady. I think he was like drafted in the seventh round or yeah, sixth I round or that. something like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so
2: because we all know uh, so much about Tom Brady now, way more than we ever wanted to. That's yeah. how I feel. <laughs> But I mean, like,
1: yeah, right. Sure. But here's a guy who, I mean, he's won 70% of the Super Bowls that he's been in seven out of 10. Like what is going on? And you guys need to Google his, have you heard of the NFL combine? I don't know how Mm -hmm. like into sports you, you all are. Okay. Well, the NFL combine where uh Beth by the way is shaking her head yes, Sarah's going, Nope, nope. I don't know NFL and I don't know Clint. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, so, it's
0: kinda gross. The combine is kind of it it's it's pretty gross. I feel like we're talking about human beings like horses. Like they kind of <laughs> yeah. run in and they get all athletics measured and you know yes. and timed and then everybody makes decisions yes. based on the quality of this physical body. Um, yes. And oh, I've is that how in, they like draft? Is yes. this a part of the draft? That's they, yes. where they're assessing yes. their draft picks. And then you'll hear coaches talk about like, well, this person is really impressive, but there are some character issues. I'm like, oh. people, ha- mm-hmm. this, can we see why this goes badly? <laughs> you know? Oh. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. mean, the here's how I it, have strong this. feelings about this. client. I feel <laughs> like Tom Brady is going to
2: bludgeon us all into respecting the fact that he is the best at Super Bowling. And I would like us all to just admit, so we can move on and watch somebody else in the Super Bowl because he's not going to let it go. He's not, and I yeah, think it, there's a sense of like, I know yeah. I felt it like, you're good looking, you're tall, you're rich, you're married to a supermodel. Do, you, do we have yes. to also, like, you're the best? But yes, we do. He's not yeah, going to let it go. Do. He's shown no, that he's not, not going to let it go. So let's just all admit, he's the best yeah. at Super Bowling so we can move yep. on with our lives.
1: Well, you need to go and Google his combine picture. It is hilarious. I don't know if y'all follow Rex Chapman on Twitter. Uh, He's an ex-NBA star. Hilarious. A Kentuckian as well, of course. Oh, yeah. And a Kentuckian. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, he threw out Tom Brady's um, combine picture. Um, It is so freaking hilarious. I mean... I look more fit than he does in that picture. (laughs) And that's saying something because I am not, I'm a runner, but I have no muscles. And, uh, I mean, it is the saddest thing ever, but anyways, we're getting off. But my point is, is that I think that that happens in athletics. I think that happens in a lot of, you know, areas where, you know, it's the people that, you know, you're drafted seventh and you got seventh round and you got something to prove. Well, listen, your psychology
2: could tell us all about the like psychology at play when people have something to prove, man.
1: A hundred percent, absolutely. I mean, I feel like that. you know, I mean, I didn't have anything growing well, and I up. and think so that, for me,
2: that's what gets missed with this like patriarchy conversation. and that was that's mm-hmm. what bugs me as a mother of three boys is that there's this narrative that it's only bad for women, and that is messed up because it's yep. not only toxic for women, it's incredibly. Toxic for men too because you're in oh, a perpetual yeah. space of having something to prove of being both the victim and the hero Constantly and that's too yes. much for any human being to be or to ask of any human yep. being like that's that's what I don't want for my boys I don't want them to feel um, Trapped inside this stereotype inside mm. this like that's really impossible to to succeed at or to, to 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 conquer right is that yeah, like I was just reading yesterday about how eating disorders among boys have skyrocketed ever since the Marvel movies because of the body image perpetuated by these literal, like, and some of them are literal Mm. gods. Thor is a God. Um, (laughs) and like how different it was from like the physique you would see, like on Bruce Willis in die hard, like a totally, like, this is like you're working out six to eight hours a day. Right. And so then it's getting put out there as the masculine ideal. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. this happens to women, too. But, like, I just think this
0: idea that it's it's only bad for women is right. so messed up. And Tom Brady point. is a poignant example of this because it also deludes us into believing that this system that makes people feel horrible and, like, they have to work so hard to prove something is the best way to get the best out of them.
3: Yeah,
4: Like, Tom
0: Brady could well, only be Tom point. Brady because mm. he showed up at the Combine not looking like everybody else and had something to prove when if if someone had said to tom brady from the beginning you have these gifts let's Mm -hmm. focus on nourishing and developing these gifts he (laughs) couldn't be a super bowl champion it's bananas but but we tell ourselves that the system has to put us through the ringer to pull the Mm -hmm. best out of us and i think that only we we, we talk about tom brady because he's a special case there are people with tom brady like skills and gifts in a variety of arenas that we're not getting because the system chews you up and spits you out. And then we get to blame Protestantism, not patriarchy. So
2: that's somebody else to beat up, that Protestant work ethic ethic that's so messed up.
0: But that's why it's easy Um, to come up with examples. I have a friend who uses this phrase that I love, patriarchy is not the elephant in the room, it is the room, it is Mm. the room. Like it's so ingrained into everything that we do that it's almost hard Mm -hmm. to pull out and imagine a different way of being.
1: Did did you both get beat down a little bit because you're women raising your voice about stuff as you started to launch into this podcast world and become voices? I mean, for Crying Out Loud, y'all interviewed Elizabeth Warren just a few weeks ago. I mean, how cool is that? You worked with Hillary Clinton. I mean, you know, um, I've noticed that when I put something on Instagram that I cried because I'm a crier. Love it. Um, I like to cry. I think it's wonderful to cry. Mm-hmm. And, um, I put something on there, uh, the other day that I cried and the comments that I received from people that were like, oh, you know, all the toxic masculine, masculine things you can say, uh, I don't want to be crude or anything, but you know, to, 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 to men, you know, who cry, you know, like get a backbone, that kind of thing. It's shocking. And, but here's the thing. How much of it comes from women.
2: Yes. Listen, Ooh. women are in the room. We're in the patriarchal room. It works on us too. Yeah. Like we hold yeah. our like some of the the harshest sort of, I think, gatekeeping, rule enforcing with regards to the patriarchy absolutely comes from other women. I mean, that was one of my favorite moments with Senator Warren, is because I feel like um the power of of what she does when she talks about her journey with childcare. Mm-hmm is um, the opposite of what you often get from older generations, which is, I suffered through, so she should too. Well, it's just a man's Mm -hmm. world, just get used to it. Like, that's messed up. Like, that's so messed up to perpetuate that, but I think women absolutely do. And, you know, I think one of the most powerful lessons I learned during my time working for Hillary Clinton, because, you know, she is just, you can and have and people have written texts on sort of the way she's been treated in the media. She has a podcast Oof. and she just she just shared a really beautiful anecdote where she talked about her father was dying and she had to give this commencement address and she really mm-hmm. talked about like her sort of spirituality and her struggle with life and death and how she thought about it as a person of faith and just got like this was in the 90s. Just got reamed by the media like You're first lady. Why do you think we care? You don't have any right to talk about this. We don't care what you think about life and death and like deep spiritual Mm. issues. And she's like, So I learned not to say anything about Mm. those and that thing, that that stuff in particular. Um, And I think, you know, I, I always definitely in college, and I've been with my husband since I was 19. So, like, being in political conversations and watching the way people responded to me when I said stuff and the way people responded to him when he said stuff. Um, you know, that was like yeah. always in at front of mind. And so I will never forget one time um, hearing her say, you know, I take criticism, pers- I take criticism seriously, but I don't take it personally. Mm. Um, and so like often I think when I, you know, I, I will still to this day be triggered by the word abrasive because that's definitely a word that got thrown at me a lot um, when okay. I was exhibiting strong opinions. Um, you're just being so abrasive. Right. And it's right.
1: well, in the same, the same opinions coming out of a man's voice is, man, what a leader. Because I'm supposed
2: to be like this, I'm supposed to be a soft place to land. So if I'm hard, Uh, if I'm in it, and listen, I can can be challenging, no doubt about it. Like I, my friend laughs like, I don't like small talk. I roll up to somebody, I'm like, what's the meanest thing your dad ever said to you? Like, I just want to go like right there, (laughs) right? You know, like I want to go right into it. I don't want to skip around with all this other stuff. Um <laughs> I love uncomfortable conversations. Like it's my my milk and cookies and I know understand I totally understand everybody didn't feel that way. Um yeah. but that is that is met very differently when you're a woman who's interested in challenging conversations, when you are mm-hmm. supposed to be making people comfortable and when you're a man having challenging conversations and you're supposed to be challenging people. Um, yeah. And I mean, I was like that, like, I mean, I was like Jesse Spano from high school on. So, like, I was, I mean, I definitely got used to it to a certain extent. Yeah, Um yeah. But it doesn't ever stop being infuriating, especially when you, like, watch a man say exactly what you just said. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's so insightful. And you just want oh, to burn it great.
1: down.
3: <laughs> oh.
1: Okay, everybody. Man Unmade was created to amplify women's voices. And early on, we decided that beyond each interview, we also wanted to highlight women in business and music. So, in each episode... We'll take time out to turn you on to a new business you've maybe never heard of and a singer-songwriter whose music we think you should try out. The music will come at the end of each podcast, so make sure you keep listening after we've wrapped the interview. If you're listening now and you happen to own or work for or have a friend with a business, or if you know of an artist or you are one, shoot us an email to contact at manunmadepodcast.com. But the spotlight on women's businesses is right now. This week, we're talking about Volition Skate Co., this is such a fun business. Who doesn't love to roller skate?
4: Exactly. In the pandemic, I've seen so many TikToks of people starting to roller skate. Yes. It became like a thing. Yeah. Um, oh, You would see people doing roller dancing, I guess do just you... a way to get outside. Uh, no, I do not. If you're about to ask if I can roller skate.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask a do Honestly, you roller skate. Honestly, I have skate. no idea,
4: really. I don't even remember the last time I've been on roller skates, but now I'm going to buy some because they're so amazing
1: you never, you, you, have you ever even tried
4: to, uh, that is how I broke my arm in second grade, uh, oh. rollerblading, uh. but I would do it now. I think it would be so fun. I'm not like scared of it.
1: You are, you look like you could just like put on roller skates and go down the street. That's like your general I feel vibe.
4: confident that I could put them on Yeah. and just go.
1: Yeah. But uh, who knows? They Anyways. reached out to you, right? It was the, uh, the sister-in-law of one of the owners. Is that correct?
4: Yes, she actually reached out to our Man I Made Podcast Instagram account and nominated her sister-in-law, letting us know that sh- uh, both the founders are single moms and they started a roller skate business in the middle of the pandemic. Bravo and brave.
1: Hey, bravo and brave. What in I mean, starting any business anytime is difficult. Two single moms and they started a roller skating business in the middle of the pandemic. Hello. There is a lawnmower right outside my window, by the way, in case anybody wonders. Okay, so Volition Skate Co., they're based out of Fairfield, Ohio. The mission is to empower everyone to live their authentic lives in comfort, safety, and style. Founded by Jen Kranz and Kate Vigmastad, Volition Skate Co. is dedicated to designing the highest quality skate gear on the market. They design protective skate gear for women by women. Find them on Facebook at Volition Skate and Instagram. Uh, Instagram? That's the scary Instagram. Have you ever been there, Instagram? It's frightening. Don't, don't, don't do it before bed. It's really uh, scary. You can find them on Instagram at Volition Skate Co. So that's V-O-L-I-T-I-O-N Skate Co. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, their website, how fun. I don't even own roller skates. But I'm about to. (laughs)
4: Oh, wow. They're so fun. Your neighbors. (laughs) Clint's like rolling down. They're like, man, he's... Hey, I'm not knocking it. I just think you roller skating down your road would be fascinating. Yes,
1: it would. (laughs) Absolutely. In Um... your
4: running shorts. (laughs) 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 Just for the fans, um, or not the fans, the listeners, sorry. Clint's running shorts are... Um, like they're official short. running shorts, like yeah. race shorts. They're yeah. shorter.
1: Yeah. They're real short. Yeah.
4: Which is nothing wrong with that.
1: No, they're not, there's not. Um, okay. I really want to um, get some skates. These are amazing. Um, thank you, Jen and Kate. Y'all are doing amazing. And for being brave enough to just go for it and start a business like a skate company in the middle of a pandemic. Just starting a business at all. Wow. Wow. Um, Y'all are amazing. The skates are amazing. The best to you. Everybody, go shop at www.volitionskate.com.
3: We have to make the choice every single day to exemplify the truth, the respect, and the grace that we wish for this world. Oprah Winfrey.
1: Okay, so speaking of tough conversations, all right, let's get into this, okay? Because I want to learn from y'all so badly in this area because it affects my life tremendously the current political situation yes we're in a new administration um you know biden pops here for us pops
2: out there looking out for us y'all
1: yep yep he is and uh you know we're in a new uh world um i i mean i'm only 43 so i can't say that you know i mean that is old i'm starting to go i've been around for a while (laughs) but you know I, i haven't seen as much as maybe, you know, some obviously, but I've seen enough and I've gone, I'm gone. There is nothing like what is happening right now. And I don't care about Democrat, Republican, whatever. There is just an amount of like human decency that is required, I think, to be a um a positive part of the society that we're trying to create, right? <laughs> it mm-hmm. Just as like an amount of human decency that we all need and need to exhibit and 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 whatnot. And clearly, that bar was just not even just lowered. It was just there is no bar. There is no more bar, right? And so we find ourselves in this situation, and this is what I want to talk to you all about, where we have people, whether it be friends, people that we work with, family, et cetera, where it's no longer, well, you voted Republican and I voted Democrat. Okay, whatever, let's not talk about it at Thanksgiving. I don't really give a shit about that, honestly, y'all. Like, I really don't care. I mean, so what? You're Republican, I'm Democrat, who cares? But my thing is, I'm just looking at this from a human decency standpoint, and I'm backing the tape up all the way to a man who's bragging about Mm -hmm. women uh, you know, grabbing women however he wants. A man who's making fun of people with disabilities. A man who makes fun of Elizabeth Warren and Native Americans all in the same breath, you know, like every, anytime he brings her up. Um, uh, a man who, in my opinion, incited violence, you know, like all these different things. And when I learn that you're a Republican, I don't care. When I learn that you support him and even feel like God has blessed us with him, all of a sudden, my 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 trust quotient is like destroyed. Okay? I'm just being like totally honest here. I and I, I don't want to like make anybody mad, but I'm just being honest. Like all of a sudden to me, it's like, wait a second, I don't feel like I can trust you anymore because your judgment here to me is so off that you would trust somebody like this is okay you both are forerunners i think you're doing such a great job in these grace-filled conversations taking off the jersey when you have a conversation with somebody you know like take off your team jersey and just have a, a conversation but then you also draw lines help me out i i'm saying a lot but what do i do
0: it is very hard And I think we have to understand that we're not going to get it uh, right 100% of the time. And most of us aren't going to agree on what getting it right means. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: So for me, I try to remember that I can value a person as a person without respecting Mm -hmm. their judgment about political candidates. Mm -hmm. And I can value a person as a person and say to them, I am mad at you for this. It has helped me to kind of put that language around it. I, I am... I respect and love Mm. many people who voted for Donald Trump. And I am mad at them. Mm. And I think something Mm -hmm. about that helps lower the temperature in a way. Because I don't hate them, but I am being honest, right? I am Mm -hmm. not pretending that there is something bigger or smaller than anger around politics. Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. where we are. I think a lot of us are walking around really mad right now. And it helps to just say, so I've been mad at people about all kinds of things in my life and we're still in relationship with each other. So we can do that. We can, we can get through being mad. And I also think that there's permission in owning that saying to someone, I am mad at you for voting for him when this is what I see. And then Probably you got to be prepared to hear back, well, I'm mad about this. Here, Here's my list of things. Okay, good. Let's just put it all out there. Let's get it on the table so we can sort through some mm. of this stuff. Instead of pretending like politics is its own separate space where something else is going on besides that emotional fuel against each other. Wow. So I'm going to say two
2: things that are going to sound completely contradictory, but really it's just a paradox, okay? So I think... Okay. Part of what happens is we individualize these con these conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something wrong with you because you feel this way. Um, there's something broken in your value system because you feel this way. And like, we just we and we think we all have to fix it right in that conversation. We have to solve that person's issues inside that one conversation. Okay, and I do not think that is a successful approach. Um, <laughs> one and. For one reason, because I don't think that it's individualized. We have mm. huge historical forces at play. We yes. have new technology that we were not prepared um, to deal with or to assess or to to respond to its effect on our democracy. Yeah. We have, um, you know, outside forces that put people in very vulnerable positions for misinformation. Um, yes. We have. And we have an a-historical president and his now former president, hallelujah, approach to information, right? Okay. So yeah. I think that we have to just take a breath and realize, like, there are forces at play here
3: mm-hmm.
2: that are bigger than us and bigger than the people we're mad at. And so, mm. like, that's that's a really good way to just give grace is just realize, like, this person was not acting like as an island of their own free will when they decided to vote for him after he said that, right? Like there's other mm. stuff going on. Yeah. Um, some of which because their individual experiences will never understand. Um, some of it is, I think there's a huge generational component. Um, I think there's gender components, personality yeah. components. There's just, there's so much there. And so like, it helps me to re- yes. to remember like, let's not just make this about the person I'm mad at and the fact that they still are supporting somebody I find abhorrent, that there's bigger mm. things going on here. Mm-hmm. And also at the same time, uh, I do think that these individual conversations have enormous impact because social pressure is real. Watch somebody walk into a store where they're the only one without a mask on and tell me social Ooh. pressure doesn't work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we are finally attuned to each other. Uh, that's yeah. why social media is so powerful. Um, because we are animals that have that have evolved over th- millions of years to be finely attuned to one another, our survival was dependent yeah. on one another. And so, yep. like the the answer to well, this isn't just about the person; it's about bigger systems. Is not to say me as a person has no impact on the system through this conversation because I don't think that's true either. Mm-hmm. I think having these conversations and just pushing on each other, have, being like walking in and being like, "This is going to be uncomfortable. I might leave upset. They might leave upset." That's what. The, mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about it again. Because that's how important mm-hmm. it is, and mm-hmm. to just continue to work on each other. You know, I w- I often quote um, Sister Wives, one of my old old yeah, yeah. timey favorite reality shows. Sure, and they would yeah. say like we we rub each other's rough edges off. Which yes, I can imagine how polygamy would do that. And but like we all do that, right? <laughs> like. We are working on each other. We are bumping up against each other and rubbing our rough edges off. We all know yep, those people yep. who like never leave their house and never intake anything that will question their own opinions. And they are sharp. Mm. They are oh hard gosh, and they are point. sharp.
3: Yeah. I don't yeah. want to be like that. And wow. so
2: I think that we just have to to do that and to keep working on each other. And I do think that has impact on the systems. Inevitably.
1: I, ugh. I kind of love y'all right now. And I also hate you both I'm like, oh shit. Now no. I have to go and talk and bump up That's against That's what people, other. like go people will come
2: up to us and they'll be like, I'm gonna buy your book for my uncle. <laughs> I'm gonna buy it for my uncle. And we always wanna be like, hey, listen, do, please do buy our, buy our book for everybody in your family. But if you are hate giving our book, you need to read the book with us." Yeah, love.
1: read it first. I mean, I yeah. think
0: that when we say we need to do this, we means white people of privilege right Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: i can look at someone who voted for the president and feel mad about it but i don't feel Mm -hmm. threatened about it the way that lots of people in this country legitimately do my Mm -hmm. life was mostly okay it was very stressful Uh, under donald trump but it was mostly okay and so that means i think that i have a unique responsibility to, to stay in relationship with people who voted differently than I did, people whose judgment I cannot mm. understand, people who mm-hmm. I think we took this common set of values from church or whatever and made them mean very different things. Because I have that commonality mm-hmm. with them and because I'm safe in these conversations in every way, I think yeah. I have to do that work. I would never give that advice to someone who, by the nature of their very identity, is threatened in a conversation like that. But here's what I'll say that, like, to leave the door open for redemption to this, to every community
2: has their rub edges they need to rub off. Yeah, You know, every community has their own issues of which, like, there needs to be some work because every community, whether it's the Asian American community or the black community or the gay community, whatever, it's a community composed of human beings where they're not getting everything right. And right, so we right. all no, have that, sure. like in some places, it's the the privileged position and the important, like in the white community, is that other white people are doing that work on each other. And then sometimes mm-hmm. in the black community, there's other work to be done by other black people. That doesn't mean, you know, a white pe- white person needs to roll in and be like, I think y'all have some real issues you need to deal with. Like the, <laughs> be, every community and has that has their stuff. Every all the all the humans and where they interact together have these hard edges. And I think what's so difficult um again just sort of in the accident of psychology and in a multicultural diversity is we think we have to find one answer like we just Mm -hmm. want that one answer Mm
3: -hmm. twitter
2: really really desperately wants one answer to every controversy (laughs) like not to drag us back to tom brady but like we don't there's not an actual plaque for goat like we don't There's no prize awarded, like it's just a conversation, (laughs) but you get on Twitter and people act like, no, we all have to decide who the goat is. And I'm like, no, we don't. This is so stupid. No, we (laughs) don't. Like you can decide and I can decide and literally nothing changes, just stop. Like, but we think that, we think like, and we have, we're gonna have to let that go in a true multicultural democracy of 300 yeah. million people. We're not gonna reach one answer ever. And truly, when we were a diverse, uh, not that diverse of a democracy in 1700s, guess what? There still wasn't one answer, and they were still all pissed off. Lots of Americans didn't even wanna leave Britain, okay? So like, mm. it's not like we're always, I think we also look back on history with this, this wash of they all agreed. They didn't agree. they never agree. Mm. Every, never, never, not once in human history did we all agree.
1: Yeah, and (laughs) And nor will it happen. Really
0: important, you know, to I think I'm a better thinker because I try to stay in relationship with people that I very strongly disagree with. You know, when Mm -hmm. uh, COVID started really ramping up in Kentucky, our governor was very aggressive in taking measures to combat the spread of COVID. Okay. And I loved it. I watched his daily press briefing. Yeah. I bought t-shirts about what a good job Andy was doing. <laughs> like, I am all in. And yeah. I was really affected by people I love posting awful, hateful things about him on Facebook because they disagreed with his approach. Wow. And I, I still yeah. sometimes see that and think, what is wrong with you? And As I watch his continued approach, I find myself better able to have a critique of it occasionally and to say, you know, I I wouldn't have done it this way. I still really like him. Mm. I believe in his heart and his intention, but I wouldn't have Mm. done it this way. And I think I see it more clearly because I keep those folks in mind. Doesn't mean Mm. I agree with them at all. I don't. And Mm. And I strongly prefer where he is over where they are. But I can see it more clearly just because I haven't unfriended them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, so I think there can be some value. You have to really want to see it. And again, my privilege allows me to take that value instead of being harmed by Mm -hmm. it. And I want to be clear-eyed about that. But I hope that them knowing that I am, like, very grateful for his leadership works on them in the same way, too.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, first of all, I'm not gonna lie. I uh, definitely unfriended a few people. Um, <laughs> uh, I confess, um, uh, there were just a couple lines that were crossed to me, where it felt like um, forging God's signature <laughs> on on things that I was like, "Okay, you're gonna start backing this up with scripture and stuff. I'm out. Like, I can't, I can't do that." And um, I had an experience uh, with uh, a friend of mine. Uh, I won't go into detail about who this person is, but I mean, no one would know him, but anyways, (laughs) um, (laughs) don't mean that in a rude way, but anyways, um, but we were having a conversation and we were starting to talk about politics and I didn't even know, I've known this person for years. I didn't even understand until into the Trump presidency that this person was a Trumper. Like it was one of those things where I like, didn't even, it didn't even like, like, uh, cross my mind really. Then all of a sudden I figured that out and whatever. Anyways, uh, he and I were having a conversation one day and I brought up um, systematic sy- systemic racism and the rise of what I see that is the rise of white nationalism. And I was shocked. I was bringing it up as like, okay, well, here's this. We all know this is happening, right? This is true. And I was shocked when the guy looked at me and said, no, wait, there isn't systemic racism and white nationalism is not on the rise. And yeah, Sarah, those eyes. Uh, that was it was one of those where it was like oh, wait uh, uh, you know, I mean it was like everything just like froze in my body and I was like wait, you don't think that there's systemic racism like and you're not seeing no, there are lots more of white Confederate... people who think
2: they're an expert in black people's experience. So many Oh my gosh. So yeah, many. yeah,
1: exactly. I'm related to quite a and. Few. And I have since been avoiding a conversation with this person. And I want to tell you all, thank you. Also, I'm pissed at you. Um, (laughs) Because now, literally in 15 minutes, all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, this is a great entry back into that conversation to be able to say, hey, here's the deal. I'm not talking to you because I'm mad at you. (laughs) I am mad at you. I'm mad that you tried to tell me that there's no... Systemic racism, and you didn't stand up for people of color, and then there were Confederate flags being thrown, you know, flown inside the Capitol as people were storming the Capitol. I'm mad at you. Okay, and I mean, talk. I think this
2: is what, right? This is what we come up to all the time. Which Gosh, is like, I'm avoiding
1: this conversation, and I don't want to have it.
2: But you're, you're not the only one. And this is what we get all the time, right? So you're telling me to have this conversation, but how am I supposed to have this conversation with someone who literally does not see reality the same way I do? Right. Who like will not accept the like basic facts because this isn't really like a value debate. This is a reality debate. Yes, and I think that you know let let us let us acknowledge that that is a thing, and it just yeah. depends on where on the spectrum you are. Like if you have somebody caught up in QAnon in your life, then it's time to read experts on like cults, right? And I think yeah. that's the best advice we got. Joe yeah. Washkim on Gosh. our podcast, and he was like, honestly, you have mm-hmm. to like. You have to read about what do I do if a family member is in a cult? And some of the misinformation out there, like it is to that level, like where you have to, ex- mm. like you have to stay present and and in that person's life because you are trying to extract them from a belief system that's way deeper than we disagree on politics. Um, yeah. And we have to acknowledge that, like that's like a totally different ballgame. And then I think there's this, this there is a a sense of, like we're, they're not all the way caught up in a in the cult, <laughs> but that we are like we, it feels like we live in different realities. Um, yeah. And I think well, what I always tell people is like this is a long game, right? Like you're not gonna mm-hmm. you're not gonna get at that in one conversation. Like you're just gonna have like uh, some of what I try to do on Facebook a lot is just disrupt people's narratives, like just to show up and be like, Hi, I'm a Democrat, <laughs> I don't eat babies, <laughs> and I don't hate America. <laughs> And I just wanted to remind you that, like, you know me, you know my political persuasion, and that these things are right. not true about me. Right, um, right. Just as, like, the dis, because sometimes that's, like, the best you can do, honestly. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, ugh.
2: I know. It's not, it's, and that's the thing I told, this is why we always say, like, I know people, what they want us to say. Like, they, again, back to the one answer, it's like they want a math equation. Like, well, okay, take the, the, degrees you're separated by this person, multiply it by how deep your last Facebook thread went to, divide that number by two, and this is how (laughs) many times it has to happen before you can ghost on them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but I don't have that (laughs) equation for you. I'm sorry, I wish I did. But that's not how it works. I
1: I think I was just really hoping to hear, um, and again, I want to say this, I'm not right, not just about everything, I'm not right about a lot. Like, I'm just trying to figure stuff out. Um, I've joked around so much about that. You know, I'm just an idiot carpenter who's trying to figure out how to build things, and and I even do it on TV, and I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I mean that, and um, and and that also, Sarah, is that's what I do for a living. I'm a carpenter. I don't okay, know if you knew that it, or not. It. But what's yeah, the name of the yeah. show again? Uh, well, the first one was Fixer Upper, and then a the new one is Restoration Road with Clint Harp, okay, But you. it's don't worry about it. Yeah, it's a thing <laughs> called Magnolia Network. It's very complicated. Got, don't it, worry got about it. Got it. Got it. Got it, got it. Anyways, but I, I don't have the answers. I don't know. I, I am just trying to figure it out, but there are things that like, I'm like, no, I know this is not right. Right. Like I know. And, and so, um, and, and, and I'm going to wrap this up because I know you guys don't have all day, but I just, I thank you for your candor there because what I really wanted to hear, if I'm honest was, you know what, Clint there, that's just a line and you need to draw it and you need to back away. But instead, y'all are like, um, tell the person you're mad and then rumble up against him like, you know, the river rocks in a barrel that all of a sudden they come out three hours later smooth. And I'm like, damn it. River rocks, that's so much better than
2: polygamy. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. (laughs) It's much better. Did y'all
1: ever have those as a kid? The little barrels that, that, you know, you throw them in the, you know, in the thing and they come out smooth later. Love it. That's Uh, perfect. Yeah. It's hard because
0: it's going to take more than three hours and it can't be the sum total of what y'all talk about. Mm -mm. Uh, You have to make space for all the things that connect you instead of just focusing on the one thing that disconnects you. And I think the other thing is that sometimes the words are a bigger barrier than we recognize. Mm -hmm. I can talk. I'm thinking of a certain person in my life. If the word privilege comes into the conversation, the conversation's over. I've lost them. It's just, they're gone. Mm. Mm -hmm. If we talk about having certain advantages in life or not having certain disadvantages, they stay with me. Mm. It's the words because our, the language that we use, things like systemic racism and white nationalism, unfortunately have become really baked into what people think is the Democrats cake. Mm -hmm. And so what's, the opportunity that's created in this individual conversation, recognizing that the mm-hmm. individual conversation exists as part of this longer, larger system. But the opportunity that you have is mm-hmm. to be you in this discussion, not to be a stand-in for every right. person who agrees with you on this. It's right. to be mm-hmm. you and let him be him. And that's mm-hmm. where that smoothing can happen over time. Well, mm-hmm. and I also think
2: it's really helpful to it's say good. to that whole like Democrats cake, I don't need you to be a democrat. But so often I think what people hear, right. I know my dad hears this, is if I agree with you on if, if I agree with you on this, that means I'm a democrat. And mm-hmm. I agree with everything a democrat has said or will ever say, has done or will ever do. And right. like that's the stakes of the conversation. Like sometimes it's worth it to just be like, "Hey, by the way, that's not the stakes for me. I don't yeah. need you to change your party affiliation. Absolutely I don't need you not. to uh, to apologize for every vote you've ever taken." Although unfortunately yeah. some people do need that. And that's where they're at. That's fine. Um, but like just articulating, like, let me just tell you what the stakes are. I just need us to like, see this one thing the same and that's it. Just this one thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and, and if we can't, I don't know how we move forward. And I think that's the, that's the tricky thing because it's like, this is such an important issue again. I mean, I'm not even a registered Democrat. I'm not a registered Republican. I, I'm, I'm really looking for good leadership. It's so because you live and, in Texas. They let
2: y'all do whatever you want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where They love but it But I, I am a Georgia
1: boy, and, uh, and, and I, I, th- I think people will listen to me and go, no, 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 you're a Democrat, and that's fine. I don't really care, I, I, and that's the way I look at other people. I don't care. I don't care what you are. It doesn't matter as long as you don't support hate. All right. I'm going to highlight these things before we jump off. Um, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. A guide to grace-filled political conversation. Um, this is the book um, that y'all wrote, and uh, and so I encourage everybody out there that's interested in these topics and interested in having conversations with people that you disagree with. Um, go get it, read it, um, and uh, and like Sarah said earlier, if you're gonna hate, give it. Um, <laughs> just at least read it first yeah. um, before you do that. Um, social accounts, Instagram at pantsuit politics, Twitter at pantsuitpolitic. Um is it is it at pantsuitpolitic or politics? It's politic on Twitter?
0: because Twitter got really mean and wouldn't let us have that extra character. So, so ask,
1: you know what? it. Twitter, Jeez. So that's very important, guys. Instagram is at pantsuitpolitics. Twitter is at pantsuitpolitic, and then Facebook is pantsuit politics. Um Is there anything that y'all want to highlight before we get off? Something that's coming up, something that people can look forward to that you can even talk about? Maybe you're not allowed to talk about it, but if if there is, can you talk about it? (laughs) Oh, Um, shoot.
2: We have another book coming out eventually. Yes. We have to write it first, but we think it's going to be good.
1: (laughs) Do you have a title yet?
2: The working title is Becoming We.
1: Oh,
3: I like that. Yeah. It probably won't be the Becoming title, but I'm we. glad you like it. <laughs> yeah. Titling the is not our Title of my book there there are people uh, on our team who are
0: much better at that than we are. That's
1: true. The thank God for teams, <laughs> first right, of all. That's right. Um, the title of my book originally was Journeyman and then uh, it ended up being handcrafted. So, you know, hey. Whatever. Whatever sounds. You just baby. you just that that's right. Um I cannot thank y'all enough. Uh, I am so clearly not in the same league oh, as y'all in terms of understanding. No, it's true, and um, and and so I, I'm just intimidated as hell as, as hell right now, and have been the whole time because I'm like I don't really even know what I'm talking about. They're so well educated <laughs> on all this stuff, and so thank you for letting me, uh, like I said, just sit at your feet, ask you questions, listen to you, and um, and while other people don't get to be as lucky as I do. Uh, today sitting here talking to y'all directly asking you questions i would like to encourage people to listen to your podcast because really and truly it kind of feels like that's what you're doing um that like that your listeners are just like asking questions and y'all are responding and educating um so graciously and uh you don't get it right like you say uh, you don't get it right all the time but you try really hard and i think it's making our world uh, a much better place so thank you Sarah and Beth, thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for having
1: us. Well, that was just an absolute blast and everything that I hoped it would be. Sarah and Beth, Pantsu Politics, they're just amazing. And I feel so grateful um, that they would actually take the time to sit down and talk with me, uh, someone who is not knowledgeable uh, when it comes to politics. Um, they have so many wonderful things that they're up to, um, so many things that they're doing, um, trying to um, just... Educate and enlighten anybody that would want to listen. Um, And they're doing a great job at it. And I'm so thankful for them and for their voices. I wish that Lisa could have been here today. What a crazy um, just morning we have had. Snow everywhere. Power's going out. Uh, Sarah and Beth rolled with it. And I'm just so appreciative of them. And um, wow, what a blast. Uh, There's so much for me to just break apart in that podcast. I can't wait to go home and talk to Kelly about it uh, and for her to hear it. Um, So much to break down. Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was super, super fun. It's now time to uh, listen to some music and highlight another female in the music industry. And I'm really excited um, about this one. Again, another one from my uh, uncle David, um, which is really cool Uh, up in Toronto. He's been sending us um, a bunch of musical talent and uh, man, just home runs every time. Today, Serena Haggerty, um, such a great artist, such a great song. I love it. I love her vibe. Um, and she actually, it's such a cool story. Um, she was a make-a-wish patient and had the opportunity to perform an original song during a, show, a sold-out Shawn Mendez concert in Cleveland. What? What? How cool is that um, to all of you who are connected to Make-A-Wish um, or who have ever donated to Make-A-Wish, whatever. Um, thank you, because they are doing amazing things. And I know that Serena um, would certainly um, you know, have that uh, to say as well. What's really cool, though, is that she's still doing it. She's still making music. You can follow Serena Haggerty on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Serena Haggerty, S-A-R-I-N-A-H-A-G-G-A-R-T-Y. Um, so go give her a follow, listen to her music. You can listen on Spotify and Apple music and wherever else you get your music. And, um, today we'll be listening to easy tiger. What a great tune. I love it. Um, I just wish all the best for Serena. She is uh, making some really good music and I'm thankful she's putting it out into the world. Um, Friends, if you love what you're hearing, we would love for you to give us a rating on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're getting Man Unmade Podcast. So please leave us uh, your ratings, uh, your comments, whatever. Also, if you have anybody that you want to nominate for our business highlight or our musical highlight, if you know a woman in business or a woman in music that you want to send us, please do that at um contact at manunmadepodcast.com or reach out to us on instagram um, send us a dm or a comment on a photo whatever we're listening and um, we will highlight that person so please reach out thanks for listening everybody man unmade is produced organized researched and generally held together by lisa collins audio production and original music by jackson palomino i'm your host clint harp thanks for joining us on man unmade let's listen to some music Bye friends.